Hey guys, welcome to the Lightmaker Podcast, a carefully curated collection of interviews with heart-centered change makers and spiritual entrepreneurs designed to ignite your inner light and guide you in creating your most expansive light. I'm your host, Cassandra Botzak, and today I am so excited to have um, my personal mentor and a Hay House author, inspirational, motivational speaker, grounded intuitive mentor, and practical intuitive guide, Rebecca Campbell on. It is such a delight to talk with you, and I'm super excited to share with you her new book, Light is the New Black, which... I literally read in one sitting on my bedroom floor. Um, <laughs> I was just so engulfed in it. It's amazing. It really is. You know, Rebecca guides people to awaken their authentic light and really get the courage to follow their soul's calling. And this book is is like the handbook, I believe. So I think anybody that's listening to this podcast, I know you're a light worker, so you're going to want to check it out. But I'm excited to chat with Rebecca a little bit more because I know you guys are going to love her as much as I do. Welcome, Rebecca. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to be here, honey. Yay. Hello, everyone else. <laughs> Yay. So I wanted to dive right in um, because one of the things I really resonated with in your story is something that kind of happened to me and I feel like happens to a lot of people when they're first waking up or whatever you want to call it. Um, you were, it was around your 30th birthday and you finally got the, the job you always wanted. You're in this, this long-term committed relationship and... All of a sudden, you just kind of realize that, hmm, like, maybe this isn't what I wanted. Um, And that was certainly what happened to me in my journey, where it's kind of like I'd finally gotten that success or, you know, that job that I thought was I was waiting for, and I was in a long-term relationship, and yet I was feeling so just empty and wrong, just like in the wrong spot. So I want to talk a little bit about that because I feel like a lot of my audience – is either in that space or is perhaps just moving out of that space. And what were the kind of, first of all, what were the big moments for you where you kind of had that really realization of knowing, you know, this is not just me kind of being in a weird mood for a month. This is actually me knowing that this doesn't fit. And then, and then how did you eventually get the courage to really step into your soul's calling or or your truth and, and kind of, get out of that kind of sticky situation. Mm. So I think, yeah, I so feel with you. It's just like, it's so common because I think the way that a lot of us are raised, like just our society is that it's just like you follow the model, you do the hard work, you have the goals and go towards that. And then little by little we get there. And I think particularly with so many of us choosing to have children later or not at all, it's like, there is this bigger empty space which is not filled with something and I think I feel like that's definitely a thing that's happening right now I know with me like I I knew looking back and it's always easy to look back because the dots always make sense in the end and so everyone here you will have this exact same story where one day you will look back and you'll be like oh of course (laughs) exactly yeah feel like you and I have been working on our story for a long time, so mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't do the comparison thing. But, but, but looking back, I, 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 since the first awakening around 13, 14, I knew in my heart what I was here to do, and, and mainly just because I was just so fascinated by it. I was always fascinated and lit up by the journey of the soul. It was just like, oh, my God, I can't get enough. And I remember, like, 
getting four jobs at once so I could like support my crystal and my body spirit book and like psychic addiction basically. I would seriously, I grew up in Australia in this little like, um, not, not a little coastal town, it's near Manly, which near where Home and Away is filmed, if there's anyone out there who knows that, sh- that show. And I would just get like a bus and a train and then another bus just to go see a psychic medium. <laughs> So looking back, I, my path was very clear, but I felt it was very weird and very, like, I, I felt like I couldn't really, like, tell anyone about it, and so I went into a spiritual closet and just kind of pushed it aside, kept it up, but it was like, no, this is just what I do in my own time, right? And then, like you say, it's like, okay, cool, well, I always knew I was ambitious, I knew, always knew I wanted to put... Um, energy, ideas, words, creations out there for the greater good. And so I went into like the undercover career, which was in advertising. So my intent intent was was the same as the light worker in, in that I'm like, I want to put the positive messages out there. But I just kept on talking myself into it being the right thing. Because every single year, the, the stakes got higher and the risk higher, um, harder if I was to walk away from it. So every single week even, I was just like, I can't give it, give it up now. Look at how hard I've worked and look at how much. I've, and so, you know, and so it was like the clinging became more and more and more. And yeah, I could, I could feel it. Like it's like, and so I started pushing away the niggle. Like we are all intuitive. We all, our soul is always calling us. I mean, you know, we might like go out drinking or, or just like fill our lives with stuff so we don't hear that voice, but it's always there. And for me, when I was ignoring it because I just couldn't handle the fact that it was like calling me to change everything in my life, I um, found myself waking up in the middle of the night. It's like that kind of 3 a.m. panic attack kind of zone, you know, that, that time of, of night. I think anyone who's had a big life change is like, I found myself doing that a lot and just really praying for the strength. I didn't feel strong enough to change everything in my life like I knew I was being you know, called in that direction because it was just like my life didn't fit. Were you the same? It was just like the life is great, but it doesn't fit right. Yeah. <laughs> like that uncomfortable pair of spandex or like skinny <laughs> jeans or whatever. It's like, uh, or like I had jeans on my arms. Or <laughs> it wasn't right. But no one can tell. And can you really tell that this no. doesn't fit? <laughs> oh, yeah. But, no, no yeah. one had any idea. And I think even when I started making some changes, People were like, people were so confused. They're like, wait, wait, but you finally, because I think I love that you mentioned that you had finally kind of gotten to that dream job level or that, you know, kind of progress. And I think myself too, like I was an actress, so I was, you know, kind of on that ladder in a different way. And it wasn't until I first land, like I landed like a couple big jobs that I should have been really happy in. Then I realized I just felt so empty. I remember, like, being in that car, getting driven home that night, thinking, like, for the amount of money I made that day and for everybody I got to work with, like, this should have been, like... And it wasn't. Yeah. And I think that you've just nailed it. It's that that thing. It's kind of exhausting when you're not in the alignment, right? Whereas when the life is aligned to you, it's like all you got to do is show up and be yourself. Right. Yeah. Whereas when when I know I felt it's like 
almost like having that kind of like the fraud complex in a way of kind of like when's everyone going to work out that it's like I'm not really this. There's a little bit of that in there. Like and I think also when you do, um, and that's like such an egoic trait and I think when we do step towards doing things that scare us, which often is <laughs> what our soul is calling us towards, we can still have that inferiority complex. So that's not what I'm talking about. It's just that thing of just kind of like, really, am I doing it? Really? (laughs) I had that a lot. And, you know, I was really good at my job. I had a great career. It was all great. It just didn't feel right. It didn't fit. Yeah. Yeah. So what was, did you have um, like a kind of final moment that solidified for you that you were like, I have to leave now? Like now is the time. Because I feel like for me, I definitely, for me, I don't know if it was so cut and dry. I think I had that moment where I knew I had to go. And then there was probably a month or two of of figuring that out <laughs> before really? it actually came to, um, you know, before the paths, the paths divided. <laughs> there was probably two moments. So when it all... So I did the praying. It's it's always at the result of praying, right? Of like either F you God or or please. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. So the first one was um, I remember praying and just being like, I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, right? And very soon after, it was like the whole life collapsed. So long, long-term relationship, some really, really dear friends passed away really suddenly, separately. And there was obviously the career stuff. And I remember the two moments. One was I was getting on a plane to when I heard my friend Blair was sick. And he was the only one my age since I was younger, like a like around university age, who, like, we met and bonding at this bar over reading The Lightworkers Way <laughs> by Doreen Virtue. And it was like secret undercover and we'd whisper about it or whatever. And our goal had been to become successful in our careers and then write books together um, doing similar work to what I'm doing now. Um, and when I was on the plane, I was going back because I'd heard he was sick and it was like an hour into the flight and I felt his presence like physically on me like like I'm more clair, clairsentient and claircognizant so that's feeling and hearing this this was like a full body on me like literally a proper human being on me and this complete calm and just I was just surrounded and I just knew he was gone in that moment because we'd made this pact that if one of us passed over we'd go visit each other first and I knew he was gone And I just knew that everything had to change and that like this mission that I felt within me, this calling, it's like it had to happen now. And so that was the first where it was, it it wasn't even a thought pattern. It was just a, okay. It was like a, a memory almost, you know? And then the second one was after all that kind of crumbling had happened, I'm back in London, the ex moves back to Australia and all of that, and I'm away from family and friends, and I'm like, oh, I'll move into this epic pad in Notting Hill, like, I'll just be positive and, like, it'll all be fine, you know? And I remember moving into there and then discovering that that was falling apart too. So it was like it needed new new um, plumbing, new, um, oh, not at that stage, it was new, new like, gas, new bathroom, new freaking everything, oh seriously, like, walls falling apart, all of that. 
And then this one day I really like burst into tears as all that was happening. And then the water pipes burst in unison. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> my, my, my biggest probably F you God moment. <laughs> and I was just like on the ground, soggy pajama pants. It was just like, seriously, what do you want me to do? What am I meant to do? And then I heard very clearly to, to there was two things, follow what lights you up and to go to Chicago. And it, I write about this in my book. I won't go through every part of the story because it's, it's, it's a long one. It's an awesome story. But long story short, I then discover that one of my teachers was holding a private teacher training there. Who I'd been studying with her for quite a while. So I'd been getting the qualifications. But again, it was just on the side. And it was really the, the timing of that happening. And it was like the next week and everything just kind of came into plan. And before I knew it, I'm on the plane and I'm there. And because of all the crumbling around me, I was in complete surrender mode. And it was in that moment that I was ready. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to answer the call now. And, you know, devote my life to saying yes to every single niggle, every single intuitive hunch. You know, I used to feel them all the time, but intuition is useless unless you act on it, unless you allow it to move you. And so it was while I was there that the the main shift happened with me, which was like I said yes, especially when it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that. And, yeah, there's a beautiful story about you going to work with Sonia and about the whole Blair situation, yeah. which I also resonate with so much because I'm so um, lucky that, you know, my little brother is doing well right now, but we had a similar situation where I was really worried that we were going to lose him for a bit. Yeah. And it's nothing like those moments that really make you realize how, you know, precious this one, you know, this this time we have on the planet is to just go for it. You know, to really, you know, we don't know how long, you know, we have here. So we might as well make the most of it and start listening to what we're here to do. And I love what you said about even when it doesn't make sense. Because I feel like a lot of times when you get to that point, when you're fully surrendered, when you really, you know, go through all those stages of like not knowing is what am I going to do or, you know, I know this is not right. How, what's my escape strategy? And then you finally come to a place where you're just on your knees that it's so like for me, when I, that happened, that your Chicago or whatever for me was like cooking. It was like, go cook. And I was like, what really? Like go cook, you know? And it didn't make any sense. And even when like I get a call from, I'm, like, cooking. I'm making the most ghetto YouTube videos of me in the kitchen. Like, I'm, like, not tech-savvy at all. It's, like, it's on, like, a chair with some cookbooks. I have the laptop. Like, it's so ghetto. And someone calls me, and they're like, we've been watching your your cooking videos on YouTube. This is a producer from ABC. (laughs) And I'm like, I think you have the wrong person. (laughs) And I think that's, like, the the one thing I just want to stress is that, yeah, it didn't make any sense. I didn't really know what what was going on at all. But I think when you're in that place of surrender and you're really ready, you're just kind of like, okay, you know, let me... Yeah, and you're unattached to the outcome. I think that's the main thing. When you surrender, you're just like, oh, whatever. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) You know? It's not not trying to, to... you're not going, hmm, is this path ahead of me? Is this built yet or not? You're just like, 
I'm just going to try some tomatoes in. <laughs> no, it's so true. And I think that's such a blessing. I try to remind people of that. And I think it's probably, a, I think it was a gift that like people like me and you or that woke up the way we did kind of got in a way where this entire time, like, I had, I, there, I was not trying, I didn't even know that, like, I, I was not trying to formulate a career path here. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that, like, from that place of destruction and, and, and sadness that I just needed to do whatever lit me up. Whatever made me happy was worth it, you know? And that's, that's the blessing of the crumbling, and I don't think you have to go through the crumbling to get the blessing. I just think sometimes the crumbling happens so you're, you just can't possibly rely on your own strength anymore. Yeah, I agree completely. And what would you say to someone, because I, I know some of my clients and I'm sure some of your clients perhaps um, don't always go through the crumbling. You know, it's more of like they have that knowing and, you know, there are people like us that are floating around that are, you know, putting out, and they're like, oh, like, what's that? You know, and they kind of feel that little calling. You know, what would you say to someone that has felt the calling but perhaps hasn't gotten to that crumbling but is still, you know, kind of itching to mm-hmm. to do something? The first thing I'd say is uh, don't wait for the crumbling. <laughs> yes, don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second thing is I'd be like, okay, great. So you've, you've, I think the most difficult scenario is when you have a job that you kind of like. When you've got a job you hate, that's a lot easier. But when you've got a job that's like, it's good, it's good. And, you know, everyone, like people are killed for this job. I think that's the most difficult situation. So I'm going to work with that, right? So say if you've got a job that's oh, all right and you're like, um, great, keep that up. Don't quit it yet. Don't be like, I'm going to quit and have a year off and be like, oh, my God, i got to work it out. Because that's going to put you under so much pressure, so much pressure. What I do is look at, look at your life like, a, like your, your, your job right now is to bring things into alignment. So first of all, it's working out who you are and what lights you up. Just like you said, I'm all about what lights you up without being attached to the outcome. Right. So um, I, I, I wrote this in the book, I'm pretty sure. I, I, I say it in my speech. I, I'm sure you would have heard this story, but maybe everyone hasn't. So um, with me, when I said following what, follow what lights you up, I was like, how the hell is that going to help me with my end goal of becoming a, leaving this career and doing something else? But because I was at the rock bottom bit, I freaking had to do it. <laughs> but you don't have to be at rock bottom to do it. So. The first thing I'd say is, is get a piece of paper and write one to ten things that light me up. Don't think about it. The more you think about it, the worse the list is going to be. So literally just intuitively write it out and just be like, like just get it down. When I did this, the very first thing that came up was um, flowers. And I was like, flowers. Oh, that's really helpful, Beth. Good one. Like that's definitely going to help me start a new career flowers but I knew enough about my intuition that I needed to say yes especially when it doesn't make sense so I knew it was my intuition because it didn't make any sense (laughs) (laughs) and so I started buying myself flowers every every week and the flowers were exactly what I needed because at that stage my heart was I just wasn't feeling very inspired and my heart was quite heavy but you know doesn't matter about the heaviness. It's just that, like, I needed something to open my heart a little bit more. 
So I surrounded myself. I'd go to the market stall every week and be like, okay, what does my heart, what does my soul, what does my spirit want here? Is it daisies or is it roses or what is it? And so then that's where I discovered the peony flower, which is, you know, the peony, it's like, oh, my God, just the most beautiful flower in the world. And so it starts like tight, 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 tight as a bud like that. And then petal by petal, it just opens and opens and opens and opens and opens mm-hmm. and opens. And then it just does that about 10 more times. And it was exactly what my heart needed, right? Because, because as it opened, so did my heart. And then my spirit came forward and my light got turned on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how have I not discovered how important flowers are? And I, no one would buy me flowers at that stage. Not that I was asking, but I yeah. secretly, I'm like, where are the flowers? And they <laughs> other people to give us you got to give it to yourself first so then um I found myself going seeking for flowers and so I discovered this beautiful park in London and London has wonderful parks and I had no idea I'm from Australia I'm a beach girl didn't get the whole concept of parks like in Australia you just go there to play on the swings that's what a park is anyway (laughs) I discovered parks and then I discovered Regent's Park Rose Garden which is just one of my favorite places on my entire planet. And I started walking around in the mornings and then I start to receive these whispers of my soul, which is exactly what I received when I was like 13, 14, 15. And I'd just be like writing them in my journal. So I got my phone out at first and then that turned into a moleskin and then it turned into doing um, my Instagram, Rebecca Thoughts, and then it turned into an instant guidance oracle and then a blog and then a book proposal and then the proposal got accepted by Hay House which was like always my dream like when I was younger I remember picking up you can heal your life and being like oh this is my path this publisher but I had no idea how to make that happen so again there's an outcome there and I'm like forget that I don't know how to make it happen no let's just follow roses yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then I found myself um this is probably like about a year and a half after like being devoted at giving myself what lit me up and really building my life around it. And I found myself sitting in um, with my laptop and putting the last word of, of my book, Lightest and New Black, in and going file and save and like, whoa, is it really finished? And then I looked up and I discovered I was right in the center of Regent's Park Rose Garden where I'd written the whole thing. Oh! Literally, park bench to park bench to park bench. And, like, bar the editing process, it was written there. And I just was in awe at how something so simple, like you said, go cook. <laughs> Me, find some roses, you know? <laughs> how, that, how powerful that is. And so particularly... Like, to all you light workers out there, I think with us, it's so easy to be like, oh, God, I've got to find – because we've got that, like, um, that, that double mission, I call it, where it's like, oh, there's something I'm here to do. I need to do the work. I need to find out what it is. Quick, 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 time's running out. It's like that is kind of going on in the background. And so I know that that pressure is the thing that, that caused me to cling to my previous career longer than it did because it was like time's running out, you know? Whereas if I find someone now come to me who's just kind of like, oh, God, I've got to do it, da, 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 my whole thing is forget the job. Forget about the career path. 
Your only job as a light worker is to be the light. It's not to do the light. I spent like over a decade desperately trying to do the light, whereas it took the crumbling to happen and it's like the universe to turn off all the lights around me for me to realize how important it was for me to tend to my own light. And then when you tend to your own light, you're like, it's that one of my favorite quotes is by Annie Lamott, who says, lighthouses don't go running around the island looking for ships to save. They just stand there and shine their light, right? Yes. And that's what we need to do as light workers. And the magical thing that happens when we follow what lights us up, well, the more we do it, the more our life is built around what lights us up, right? And so for some people, that means it's literally a career which is built on that thing, right? Or for others, it's like just fueling yourself and maybe like raising your family is is your role as a light worker. Like it doesn't have to be like this specific job. And I really feel, I used to think there was this black and white path for everyone, like as in like, you need to write this book, like this specific book, and it needs to be called this. You <laughs> <laughs> need to live in this city. I don't believe that anymore. I think that when we follow what lights us up, we, we create this amazing, unique path for ourselves. I'm looking at these flowers, which I just got delivered today, mm-hmm. right? My, I got this is what happens when you give yourself what lights you up. Oh. You get sent them all the time, right? Oh, I love so it. It's um, this beautiful company called Petalon who it's this woman and her husband and it's just like wildflowers and roses and stuff but it's it's called bouquets by bicycle and it's because they love flowers and riding bikes and they've built a business on it like I just love that yeah and that's the power of the times that we're living in which you so get like you go cook and you're like oh I just put my my iPad up (laughs) Like, throw some spaghetti on or whatever. And, um, you know, you can create something that didn't exist yet. You know, that's the power. It's like the, the playing field is level. Now it's just like, okay, well, what do you want to create? How do you want to spend your time? Rather than trying to fit into a model, you know, particularly like the old career stuff that we were just talking about. It's like, well... That was, particularly for me, that was me trying to fit into a, a model or a box that existed. Whereas now I think the opportunity for us, because we're multi-dimensional beings, we're not just this cookie-cutter kind of thing, it's actually about spilling over the edges and creating your own model. Exactly. And I love that. And I think it's so it's so important to you know, to just follow those urges. And like you said, I love the bouquets and bicycles because that's what I've been trying when I'm interviewing uh, different guests from the podcast. Uh, You know, there are some people like you who are spiritual leaders, you know, who are, you know, lightworker leaders, whatever, (laughs) right? Um, But there are other people that are, you know, are entrepreneurs. You know, I interviewed one of the guys I'm interviewing for it just because he lit me up literally every time I see this guy run into him at events. He just like lights me up with his mere presence. And he worked at Google for eight years and jump ship took six months off to like go scuba diving, like explore everywhere, and then came back and like started this this company. And okay. you know, and I just love it because he's every bit of light worker. 
you know, and even though he's not life coaching or like that's not his path, you know, I think it it's true. It's by following up those little things that brighten you up, you know, if your, you know, path is to, you know, own a bake shop and you like bless every, like literally you could brighten everyone's day and, you know, everyone's morning when they come into your bake shop and giving them whatever you, you know, you made with love, um, that we don't need to put a box on anything, you know? But one of the things I do want to talk to you about, because I think it is a tricky, a tricky place for some people, is like for you, when you first decided to come out of the spiritual closet in a professional way and started, you know, having sessions with people, um, where, at what point did you find, did you decide, I'm ready to, I'm ready to actually, because... You know, if you want to also maybe perhaps go into a little bit more detail of what you do with the Akashic Records, because you're extremely intuitive. Um, and so I, you know, Rebecca is far beyond just a intuitive mentor, I feel like, um, in what you, what you really access. And so I just, coming from personal experience, and um, I also have been able to access certain things, but... It takes a, I, I think it takes a lot of stepping up to actually be able to say, I can access this stuff and I'm going to help other people access it. Um, what was that process like for you and when did you finally decide this is what I'm supposed to do? Well, it was quite scary and I put it off for a very long time. <laughs> I, I trained up in a lot of things and I'd gotten a lot of qualifications just because, you know, with that kind of stuff, it's not like it's a black and white kind of thing, you know. And um, I think the most difficult thing for me was was when you're riding two surfboards, so going from the job to doing the work, Right. Uh, particularly for me because like I was on because I was creative director I had like a six month notice period and like I was leading a lot of brands social media and all of that so I had like a presence online in a way so it was like I didn't have like my own Facebook page but it was like with my clients it was like you know I'm being sold in as a brand really right Mm. and then I'm kind of revealing this other part of me which is the real me and so I, I ended up – it actually encouraged me to make the leap more drastically because I couldn't do both at once. So I went to my boss and I remember just talking straight from my heart to his and I put it off so many times and then I just did it. It was after I got back from Chicago actually because I had been qualified for a long time and that was just like, okay, fine, I surrender, let's do this. And I, I went straight in and I was just, I spoke from my heart to his and I just basically said, look, this period that I'm in right now, like I'm, I'm, no, I'm not married, I don't have a relationship, I don't have kids it's like I've had this thing in me that I, I've always wanted to do. And I, I framed it more about going to write a book because that was a bit more – I didn't go into me doing Akashic Record readings because <laughs> that was too much of a leap. But I said writing a book about spirituality and encouraging other people to step out of the closet. Like it was literally I wrote the book to myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I wrote it to everyone else. <laughs> um. And, yeah, I remember saying to him, just, like, it's now or never. I'll regret it if I don't do this. So I spoke from that space. And 
he was just so wonderful. He was just like, you have to do this. You should go do this. He said, so, you know, what are you thinking? What are you going to do to survive? And I said, oh, I kind of want a, a job um, just maybe two days a week just, just to cover rent so I'm not kind of like putting too much pressure onto it. And anyway, five minutes later, I walked out of that office with another job <laughs> where basically he ended up, I ended up getting a pay rise. It was, no, it was three days a week we negotiated. Um, and so instead of being full-time, I was freelance on the books, but I still had my title. Um, I had the freedom to do the work I wanted to do. That was the best bit, right? Because they knew that I, there was, there was an end point and that I was devoted to growing that, but they still wanted me for my experience but I, I, I got a pay rise because I was going freelance. And that was not just pay rise per day. It was like generally speaking because, <laughs> you know, and I'm not paying tax. And then they're like, you know, you're going to have to oversee a little bit. So we'll have to hire like a, a team and you. So it was like a, a promotion basically. <laughs> so that's what happens when, you know, and it might not happen exactly like that for you. But in my experience, when I've kind of leapt towards my calling to be of service or just anything to do with what that needle has been told, telling me to do, I've been wholeheartedly supported. Uh-huh. And so with doing the, um, the reading, so that's kind of like another answer to the question. So specifically doing the readings. Now that was scary I remember, um, you know, I did friends for ages, but I must say strangers is so much easier for intuitive readings. And well, before we even get into this, just in case there's anybody listening that's not, that maybe, I feel like some of my people have definitely know what the Akashic Records are, but I still think there are some who are probably, that sounds familiar, not quite sure. Do you want to just give a little? Sure, yeah. So the Akashic Records, it's just a concept really, right? But imagine it, so it's like everyone's got a book of their soul. That's, this is, it's not a linear place, but we'll give it a linear concept. So it's really the record. So with us, based on the principle that we've lived more than just this life, it's, it's the record of everything that was, is, and will be. So, so I focus more about was, so like the soul history and then current and then potential, because I don't think it's just one potential. I think there is several. And so, yeah. And so I started my very first, I started doing different, um, readings at first I think soul readings and I kept on changing what I called them every single day basically (laughs) I think but then the thing that really kicked off was my soul blueprint reports I just kept on getting I put I put it up and I didn't really know what I was going to do (laughs) I mean I knew all the information I could include but yeah and then they just kept selling and so the first one I was like oh god and that took me I just like overachieved on that I like overgave big time that took me like a day to do (laughs) and then I just the more I got the more I worked out the model and a a way where it wouldn't take me a whole day to do each time so a way that I could kind of repeat it without with it still being individual and so that was a big learning experience and then I just found that that more and more people were coming to me as I'm sure that you found who were a certain type so there were a lot of people who were um, in a spiritual closet also who um, were struggling to step forward, who were waiting for permission, who maybe were quite scared because of the soul history of speaking out and being seen and being heard and all of that. And, yeah, and so and then that's when I started the Work Your Light mentorship, um, which, which we're doing, yeah. which um, 
with my the sole purpose of just supporting people get their voice get their message out there people who are just like so devoted to be of service to express themselves in ways that are just so authentic you know and I guess you know it makes sense in a way because it brings the intuitive soul part of me together with my background in advertising which is like that was training that was there for a reason you know it was like just so perfect. It was all about like authenticity of brands and getting tone of voice right and expression and all of that. So the two have kind of come together perfectly. But I think what happens is that, that you know, and it's interesting because with me, a big part of my personal soul growth has been around that courage to speak out and be seen. And I love being on stage, but it's also really scared me in the past, like kind of, you know, and the most amazing thing happened just the other day. And I often t- start my talks like that about like, you know, Joan of Arc said, I'm not afraid I was born to do this. <laughs> I don't know what she was on because whatever I'm answering myself is calling, it's freaking scary. <laughs> and then just, but just recently um, I was at the Mind Body Spirit Festival in Birmingham. And for the first time ever, I had zero fears, like zero. And some people have fears, some people don't, but I had none. So I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So maybe that's a new step now. And then that will then be reflected in my work and that that will probably change the people who come. And it's just so fluid. When we follow and and work on ourselves, what happens is that the right people come to you, the right jobs come to you, and then we adapt and grow and then we can devote ourselves to something else maybe or, or the same thing. I just I think what I'm trying to say with that is like how – magnificent the universe is at delivering both because when when you're a light worker you do have that double mission it's it's like it's not just you being here to be of service like you're here to grow too yeah (laughs) and so you know and and I think particularly when you do devote yourself to being of service it's the best self-development course or spiritual course you will ever do <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> the more conscious you are the more conscious you are of your bullshit <laughs> oh my god oh yes oh yes <laughs> and it's so I'm so glad you said that because it was so it's actually I don't know why I'm even surprised because it's perfect that yesterday I read something on Facebook mm-hmm. and I try not to go on Facebook a lot just in general, but I read something on Facebook, and you know, recently I had been reading some stuff on social media that just didn't really, I didn't feel like it was very light filled. Let's say from people that are light, light workers, but um, but I was like, okay, okay, and then I read this thing on Facebook that kind of triggered me, or I don't know, spiced something up inside me the other day. It was kind of like you know, all these people that are telling you to follow what makes you happy and follow all this stuff like that's not the truth like the truth is that you know it's really scary going after your calling and in a way I'm just like you're confusing people (laughs) and but like I feel like there is that progress like you said because right now I honestly I don't like there's not too much that scares me on on that level whereas like and I think we've talked about this too, like we all have different strengths. So for me, like getting up on stage in front of thousands of people is like, you know, but for me, you know, actually reading my girlfriend's Akashic Records is terrifying. You know, that really scares me. Um, but, um, but I think we all have those things, but I do think it's a little bit more 
and and I'm sure you can speak to this too. I always try to warn, uh, just tell people with like discernment, like you know, you know when something's expanding your soul and it's scary, but it's expansive, and you know when something's just scary and like doesn't feel right. Um, and also honoring that I think there is a very real part that we do get to, or perhaps we have innately in certain areas where what is your soul's calling does feel good. It feels easy. It feels easy because it's right. Um, yeah. And I think that, that whole, the asking yourself the question, if you weren't afraid, what would you do? Because if it's something that just scares you, but you really want to do it. Like for me, uh, speaking on stage is always, I, I know that's my path. I, I really enjoy it. It's just has been in the past a little scary as well, you know, yeah. but I'd prefer to do it than not do it. Yeah. You know, and I'd probably, I'd be the person at the back of the room and then I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'd, I'd be, I'd be angry at myself if I didn't stand up, mm-hmm. you know? So there is that compared to just kind of like, oh, this, like, inauthentic, it doesn't feel aligned to me and what I'm wanting to do. Yeah. Yeah. And Rebecca... Like, like being an accountant scares me. <laughs> not that, not my, my fiance is, like, background is that. But like, or, or going into, like, a, math, a maths exam would scare me because I'm sure of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's how it was. There's lots of things that will scare you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, it's really the, the voice of the soul is subtle. And it speaks in, like, yearnings and niggles, right? The ego always has an agenda and it's a bit more shouty and it's got it's got that motive around it, you know? And, yeah, I, often that comes up when, when you answer the yearning. <laughs> yeah, and I love that. And there's a bunch of other amazing questions and little exercises in Light is the New Black that also help you kind of work through a lot of that and... Um, yeah, and I think that I think asking the questions it's come up a, li- a lot the past few days um, with people I've talked to is that the questions that we ask ourselves are really important. They really help us kind of decipher decipher things. Um, it's so true. This is a bit off topic, but I have to share it because it was so good. Do you know Christiane Northrop? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, she's just great. I met her the other day, and she was also speaking in London, and she, you know, her book's all about. Um, uh, you know, age, the, the beauty of age and, and age doesn't exist. It's wisdom and all of that. Anyway, she said the coolest thing where she said, if anyone asks you um, how old you are, turn to them and say, what's your real question? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Because, and maybe she was quoting someone else who said it. I can't quite remember. But I just love that because often I think we ask ourselves questions just to get a specific answer. Uh huh. <laughs> Whereas, you know, like for example, like a, an uncomfortable question to ask. I love, well, I don't like asking people uncomfortable questions that make me sound weird. <laughs> but in the book, there's lots of uncomfortable questions. Oh, that's really doing well, isn't it? <laughs> They're good, but uncomfortable. I'm asking myself uncomfortable questions because you end up getting to that all oh, bit and like. A great example of that is um, what do you cling to? Oh, oh, I hate and love that question so much. Oh, yeah. Whatever we cling to is exactly the thing that we most need to let go of, but it's also the scariest thing to let go of. 
Yeah. Ego that's clinging to it. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good one. <laughs> Another one, one that came up for me that um, I have asked recently was, who am I when I don't get my way? Mm. You know, who do I become there? And that was really interesting. Um, <laughs> and it's just and and then my my always I think I always try to remind myself too is that you know and then love that person too yeah. you know love the love the person that clings love the person that acts like a 15 year old when they don't get their way you know <laughs> and just love them madly <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know and ask that part of you what it needs like, yeah yeah, what do you really need? Because I think that's what it always comes down to, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I love it. I just want to, you know, I pulled a, I, I play with goddess cards sometimes, and um, I pulled a card before our um, our talk, and what came up was true love. Mm-hmm. It was Guinevere. So um, I don't usually ask about relationships and stuff, but I wanted to ask you, and it's so funny because. Honestly, this was a big reason of why I was drawn to you um, as as a guide was because I really looked at you and I remember not only relating to you from the first time I met you and talking about, you know, writing books and, and all that, but I really, I love your, your I was going to say I love your light, that's obvious, that's not, not descriptive, <laughs> not descriptive, but um, your energy just about living life, like I feel like you 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 live life you're you have you know you you have a relationship when you didn't have a relationship you're probably dating you know I feel like you know you go out with your girlfriends you're living life you're not like I feel like there's that um I don't know if the Dalai I feel like I want to say the Dalai Lama said it where he was like it's easy you know it's easy to be the monk on the mountain you know but it's like how do you do it in like the the middle of a city you know how do you do it when you have the relationship and the friends and like all that stuff and um that's what really drew me to you because I was like this is the kind of full life I want to I want to be a leader in this space but I also want to be able to go have fun with my girlfriends on Friday night and I want to be able to have a beautiful relationship um so I want to talk to you just a little bit about you you're engaged and um how was it kind of dating post awakening or kind of after being out of the spiritual closet was there I know a lot of the things that um some of my girlfriends talk about is just you know figuring out what what kind of guy can on one hand like handle it or join you with it and and what that's level like so I'd like to you know so I think it's such a juicy question (laughs) (laughs) um it's actually this is a topic I'm starting to write about now so it's perfect yay (laughs) so so for me um after the crumbling and I think this is important to to kind of say like first of all we were where the day we were born we were born into the most important relationship of our lives which is the one with ourselves right the way society set up it's like oh Jerry Maguire you complete me blah 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 but the thing that I realized through the crumbling was how I looked at relationships as, and, and, and not just like romantic ones, like friendships, all the relationships in my life, family, also um, the relationship with my work, because everything is a relationship, right? Yeah. I'd looked at these things as these things to complete me, right? And as if these things that I needed 
in order to be in love, right? And that whole concept of like falling in love, that's just bullshit actually. <laughs> because when you fall, who wants to fall? I know. I want to rise in love, baby. Yes. <laughs> and so yes. the project for me, and it was so scary because I had no idea how to get through it, but I was like, okay, so if I am love and love exists, then why do I need all these things or, or a man or a woman or whatever in order to be in love? Well, I don't, right? And then I started saying love is a frequency, so, you know, when you're in meditation, when you're in prayer, it's like a frequency, right? And yeah. you feel it, right? And so I was like, okay, my mission, I'm not going into a relationship. I, like, tried a bit of the Tinder, you know, mm. you have to kind of, like, when you haven't been with someone for a long time, it's just like you force yourself, you know, yeah. I did a bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol involved. Um, <laughs> I was also blessed that I didn't have too many temptations. Thank God. Thank you, universe, for not having that. But I was adamant that I was like, um, I am not entering another relationship until I'm completely whole myself, completely. And I'm not going into a relationship if there's any risk of losing myself in it. Right? And so I went about trying to create this in love space all by myself. So it was like, so I was in love, right? And I, I freaking did that. I love that. And then I asked for guidance about, I'm like, I'm ready for a relationship, I think. I think I am, but I'm not going to go there unless it's right and all of that. And I remember I just moved into this place. It was like this girl pad in, Notting, in, in Marlebone. It was like, you know, My Fair Lady? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we found out after. I said to my friend Dana, she's from Australia, it was four blondes living there. None of us are naturally blonde. <laughs> really, we called it House of Blonde, our house. And I said to her one day, I was like, why are there people taking photos about the front door? And she's like, oh, I don't know. It's like some, from some musical, like My Fair Lady or something. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Henry Higgins house. It's actually like Audrey Hepburn. Yes, it's all of that. Oh, my so, God. So that was the house. That was the setting. And I remember uh, within a, a couple of weeks, because that was my guidance, to go into a share house to meet, you know. And then the first week I'm out with, for cocktails with um, two of my housemates, who I'm actually, they're back in Australia now. I'm seeing them tonight. It's the perfect timing. Oh, and um, I met um, Craig. I'd met him years before, but it was just like, boom, like that. And then a, f a few weeks, maybe months later, whatever, um, he ended up, um, he ended up, coming into my bedroom for the first time <laughs> I remember being very conscious about I'd done these exercises around really knowing who I was and being in love with who I was actually and embracing all the weirdness and so I've got my freaking smudge sticks my fairy lights my Kashuk record books Chris like everything I even like made it even more so because I was so firm on it and we walk in and he's his background's like banking right and accounting like He's very, like, creative and spiritual, but, like, he's not, like, hippie at all. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. So he walks in. Mm. I didn't know at that stage. I'm thinking he's just, like, banking, right? So he's walking in, and he goes straight over to my desk where there's this um, opalite crystal. And he's like, oh, my God, I've had the exact same crystal in my cricket bag since I was, like, 12. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so weird. And then later I find out he admitted to me, he's like, the moment I walked into your room, I knew you were going to be my future wife. 
Ever since I was younger, um, all the other guys had like Elle McPherson posters and Kylie Minogue posters above their bed. And he's like, I had Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'd always wanted some magic, right? And for me, I, I definitely didn't want a hippie guy. No offense to any hippie guys out there, but I, in the past, I'd been, I, I wanted to be in the feminine. And be able to do my stuff and then be, like, supported with his strength, you know? Yeah. And then me be able to support him in that way. And so that that was quite a journey for me because I'd never been able to receive that before. I'd always been the, the one holding things together and feeling like I needed to. So, yeah, that I'm so grateful to have been given that time that it was, like, two years or so to really work on that relationship with myself and, you know, and now and, and be, to be able to go into the relationship with these tools so it's like, you know, like we've got our non-negotiables, we know exactly what is non-negotiable and so there's no going around. around. Like I, I learned the hard way mm-hmm. <laughs> about relationships. My previous partner, Matt, is such a sweetheart and he, we were joking the other day. He's like, yeah, we pretty much like trained each other how to not have a relationship. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think you need that and we don't get taught how to have relationship and how to create that in love space on our own. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important and I think I, I love that you even made it, you know, it was so funny because I actually, I dated a guy and one of the things he kind of mirrored back to me, he was an amazing growth opportunity, was because I was just starting, I'm really into the moon cycles and astrology, and I, I just find it really fascinating. It's always really resonated with me. And I was particularly irritable because he was visiting um, for a weekend that was also a new moon, and I hadn't gotten a chance to read all the forecasts yet, and I was going to miss my little moon circle that I always go to because he was in town. And so I was, like, trying to keep it together, but I was really, like, kind of perturbed that I wasn't in my usual, like, moon flow. And finally, he was like, what is going on? Like, I just feel like there's nothing I can do right. I feel like I'm irritating you. And I finally just, like, blurted it all out. I was like, I was on the moon. And, like, the whole thing. And I remember he literally, like, he sat me down. We were in Central Park, and he was like, let's sit down on this bench. Just lay on me. Let me read Mystic Mama for you. And, <laughs> and, then, and he like read it to me and he was like, is there anything we need to do tonight? <laughs> and, and we had to talk about it afterwards because I was like, thank you, you know, because I knew it wasn't necessarily his thing. You know, he wasn't like of that mindset at all. But I and because of that, I would always kind of he told me he was like, you would always he's like, I feel like you shy away like you play down these things that you clearly believe in because you know because you don't think uh, you don't know what I think of it you know and he was like I think it's just a reflection of you needing to be you know needing to find whatever that strength is in you to really you know like this is what I believe in unapologetically it's like there's nothing wrong with it you know it doesn't I don't have to believe in it but I can respect that you believe in it and it was a big awakening and kind of realizing that that's right you know like this is this is who I am and 
I don't have to play it down or apologize or hide the fact that I have, like, tons of crystals or all different, like, you know. Even, even if they're in the bra and it's, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's my rose quartz. <laughs> Let's go to the bath with you, honey. Oh, just something that makes me love you even more. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I love that exercise about um, being in love with yourself. Because um, I actually remember when, um, gosh, this was years ago, but years, years ago when I first had my awakening and I, one of the books I found was uh, Gabrielle Bernstein's Spirit Junkie, which is one of her like early, early books. And there's a chapter that um, is when she broke up, well, she like had broken up with her boyfriend and um, it's called like Spirit is My Boyfriend or something. <laughs> and I remember like resonating with that so much. And going through that um, that phase, let's say, or whatever, that period where, like, spirit became my boyfriend. Um, but also kind of even going deeper and then now having, you know, cultivating that that love within yourself and really asking yourself, you know, I've kind of, I'm kind of in that place where you are at right now where I've, like, chosen that I, I kind of want to be single for a little bit to really harness everything because I do think the next person will be like a big partner. But um, but finding that, that space and using it to really cultivate that love within you and asking yourself the question of, you know, well, what, what do I get in romantic relationships that I'm not giving myself? Mm-hmm. What was that? What were some of the... Because um, I feel like some of the people listening are going to be like, I need to do this, I need to do this. <laughs> what were some of the, you know, perhaps little rituals or steps you took during that period to really cultivate that in love space Mm -hmm. so I think turning your house or your at least your bedroom if you can into like a sanctuary so it's like you're just like oh it's so beautiful here that's really like you know beautiful like led lights you know the the ones that you can keep so it's like you're in a beautiful cave particularly if you're post breakup it's like make it treat it like this sacred cave that you're in right buy yourself like a nana blanket i want myself like this baby pink (laughs) nana blanket from the columbia road markets and so it's like treating yourself with all the love and nurturing and compassion that you really crave right because particularly if you're not in a relationship, like we still crave touch, right? And so find out where you can get that from, you know? Um, I didn't understand that so much at the time. I wish I had have like hung out with some more kids or some puppies or whatever, because that would have helped that a little bit more. Um, I think also um, I call it um, writing a lovables list. So, you know, it'd be Sandra's lovables mm-hmm. and you go one to one to 10 or one to 100. I normally challenge people one to 44 and you just say all the things you love about yourself. So for me, what it was, it was, you know, oh, I love that you're driven. I love that you're, um, that, uh, that I'm, I love that I'm, um, I've got nice eyes. I love that I'm adventurous, that I'm living in London and I'm from a different, I'm on the other side of the world and it'd be things like that. But then it'd be, I love how 
open minded I am and how I believe in some really weird far out things just based on blind faith alone. Right. And this was at a time where it wasn't, I wasn't loving that so much because I'd been hiding it. And so it's really embracing all the weirdness, all the unique bits so that you're creating energetically this kind of like, I am, it's not like, it's not an ego thing. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's an honoring of yourself you know and so then what happens is just law of attraction is that and this was just the most amazing thing with Craig who is my fiance it was breathtaking how he pretty much quoted my list when I met him like each time he'd just be like oh I just love how adventurous you are and how just like you're just so open-minded and just so like 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 you have this like inner faith that like is unshakable like he was reading my list but he had never read my list (laughs) I love that and like things like like buying yourself what you wish someone else would so like the flowers right I started buying them for myself and then well Craig for my um and it's not just him it's like other people as well but for Christmas I got a flower subscription so every week I receive flowers (laughs) if not more from other people you know but it's only because I gave them to myself they wouldn't be here otherwise you know Mm -hmm. I remember saying to myself that when I become creative director I'll buy myself like a, a designer handbag like beautiful very expensive handbag and I ended up being given it I love it I love it so it's like really creating that space so it just comes to you but not just doing it to 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 attract that doing it because that's just what you purely want and because it's who you purely are yeah and because it's a beautiful space to live in you know it's a great space to live in where you're, I think that was big for me about just creating that sanctuary and feeling like making my you know I went from when I was um living in one apartment I had spent like most of my relationship that kind of led up to the awakening in that apartment and when I moved into the next apartment I was like no this is this is the sanctuary this is the temple this is and I just went all out and just I was like I you know, I want to feel like a goddess when I'm in my room. I want to feel like, you know. That's perfect. Yeah, what would make me feel more like a goddess? Yeah. <laughs> create the in love space because the goddess is love. I love that. And I think that's that's a, you know, um, a definitely a good thing. What I wanted to touch on quick before we wrap up, it's been, cause it's been so amazing chatting with you. I could chat with you all day. Um <laughs> is I think that's a good ritual, um, like a daily ritual, whether or not, I mean, creating the space, which is there for you every day, um, but also having those rituals that, you know, remind you or help you fall in love with yourself every day. And one of the things that I love that I know you do, um, but I'd love to hear if you do anything else, is that Rebecca does um, sourcing. And um, sourcing really, and correct me if, you want to, but <laughs> sourcing really connects you to your, your divine source, um, exactly what it is. And I really feel like, um, I source a lot as well and I've used, Rebecca, um, gives away a free sourcing meditation, which I'll include the link to below, but you can just go to her website, rebeccacampbell.me and put your email and you'll get it. Um, and you just, you just feel yourself being full of light. Like you just connect to that source. And I think that's something, if nothing else, that is a daily necessity um, in my book. 
at least. Absolutely. It's, it's life-changing. It's is, changed my life. Right? Is there anything else that you feel like is a, a daily ritual that you feel like really fills you up? That's the number of nature mm-hmm. for me, like grounding in nature and being around beauty. That's important to me because it helps me be in spirit, which helps me be inspired. But I'd say, you know, the number one thing that I do each day, Oh, the other thing I do actually increasingly so, so I source meditate that that's my thing and then I I chant as well because chanting is really just voicing the heart voicing the soul so I I practice from the lineage of Siddha Yoga which is the path of the heart and um which is really it's crazy how um aligned to everything I believe in it is it's like the main parts it's like nature and beauty is such a big part of it and then the chant as well so you know, and it doesn't have to be like Om Namah Shivaya is one of my favorite chants, but there's so many others. I love all the Kundalini chants. Um, and yeah, magic has happened when I've listened to chanting. <laughs> yes, I I love, I chant every day as well. I feel do like, you? oh, I do. It's like, I have to, it's, you know, and I travel, <laughs> I travel a lot and I'm always the person that like, if I run into like the people in the hotel room next to me I'm like I'm so sorry about the five in the morning chanting but (laughs) (laughs) I I was recently in um Glastonbury and um I I literally had Kundalini mantras playing and a girl knocked on the door and was like there was this um uh, you, do you know Guru Jagger? Yeah. yeah. So she was there. There was all these coincidences, and she was doing this sacred tour of Glastonbury, and I'd just gotten the guidance a couple of days before to go there. So I did, cleared my schedule without knowing why. And I'm in the Chalice World Gardens, and it was just like, um, you're meant to go on something with her. I don't know what it is. And I so I said, okay, universe, I need you to, to sort this out because I just don't like Googling and working out travel when I'm meant to be relaxing and on holidays. And so I went back to my room and I was chanting and I, there was a knock on the door and it was this woman from the States who just gorgeous named Danielle and she was like, by the way, are you going on this sacred tour with Guru Jagat? And I'm like, that's so weird. And I told her the story. And then, she, and, I, and then she's like, oh, yeah, I'll get you one, one sec. And she goes, she's like, yeah, I trained with Guru Jagat. She's my friend. Called her up. And the next day I'm going on trip with them. So my two-day turned into like 11. Oh, my God. I love it. The chanting, people feel that vibration. And there is nothing more more powerful than the vibration of than the sound of your own voice. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that story. That's just, it just goes to show you when you're really like tap, tuned in and you just follow it that. Say yes. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so lastly, Rebecca, what, this is kind of like a two part question. What does your most expansive life look like and what's really lighting you up right now? Mm-hmm. Expansive life would probably involve teleportation. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> because I just, I love London. I just love it. And, but I also, I love Australia. And I love LA. I just love the world. Yeah. <laughs> I love tropical islands with crystal water. So I just would like all of that all the time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so that would definitely be the most expensive life. Um, so without any jet lag. <laughs> yep, of course, of course. <laughs> And what was the other one? 
Um, what what's really lighting you up right now that you have going on in your life? I'd say the chanting. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I'm just so into it right now. Yeah, I, I can't get enough. I I play the harmonium, so I am um I'm recording with my friend Amy Firth. We've got oh, one of my books that should be coming up. Um, is the line is Rise, Sister Rise, and so we're recording a. A chant for that and I'm just loving it I can't get it out of my head <laughs> yay that's so exciting so thank you so much for being with us it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I feel like you're just you know just a ball of light and I feel like there are so many different insights in this conversation that I know people are going to walk away with being like, oh my God, I got to go do that. Or I got to go try that. Um, And I just want to remind everybody again that first of all, get Rebecca's book because if you enjoy this conversation, you're not going to be able to put this book down. It goes into a lot of depth of some of the stories we touched on um, and really helps for for anyone out there. I mean, I I picked up this book and and I'm already far, far and away on, on the path and I, I just love that you can, if you can see all the pages <laughs> turned down. Um, and they're just, so, it's just such a beautiful um, guide for any time you really need just an, a, a little extra like soul bump, I like to call it. Like a little soul bump. Um, and Rebecca also has a free video series that you can check out that correlates with Light is the New Black. And um, I'll put the link to that below, but it is just RebeccaCampbell.me slash free video series so it's pretty simple but again we'll have all of Rebecca's links below so you can stalk her life because I know you're uh, probably going to be as obsessed (laughs) as I am um, and want to follow her on her adventure thank you so much Rebecca it was a pleasure having you and it's always a pleasure speaking with you (laughs) you too honey thank you guys